0: Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk
1: Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. On this episode, I am very, very happy to be joined in the studio, the virtual studio, by uh, David and Piero, who are from uh, an organization called Exerio. Hi, guys. How are you today? Very well, thank you.
2: Excellent. Thank you.
1: Good, good stuff. So this is, a, this is a unique one for me because we've got two people uh, from the organization on the call. So we're gonna go um, go through our process uh, for you guys listening in there. Um, and David and Pierre are gonna tell us a little bit about their entrepreneurial journey um, and what they've learned along the way, where they started, and uh, how we've got to where we are today here in the UAE with an organization called Exerio. But uh, as always in our episodes, guys, um, whoever would like to go first, Let's roll back the clock a little bit and, uh, go far as far back as you like to your own personal journey of, of where you started in, in the working uh, environment, what you were doing and then take us on a journey up to today. Um, who wants to go first? I don't know what's best Italian or Spanish P- accent
2: Piero is the better <laughs> speaker.
1: All right. Okay. <laughs> okay Piero. Uh,
0: so my background is primarily finance and private equity and, uh, uh, David and I first crossed a uh, business school 15 years ago, uh, wow. still hurts to say 15, feels like <laughs> yesterday. Um, so we crossed path uh, all that time ago back in Singapore and then we went separate ways. I stuck with private equity, they did a bunch of other things and then uh, completely randomly we bumped into each other again in Dubai. Private equity mm. took me to Dubai towards the end of 2008. I believe consulting took David a few years later to Dubai, and uh, we happened to be in the same building. So we caught up um, and basically just you know, reconnected and remained friends for a little while. Uh, well, we still are, but not just friends. Um, and then we got involved in a, in a few projects together that kind of gave us the chance to get to know one another better, uh, understand how the other one works, and uh, and most of everything I would say understand the complementarities because um, we you know we're very different in terms of background as well as I would say character which is great which means you know we we disagree on a number of uh, topics on a regular basis which is great because uh, you know you think a I think B let's think about what works best maybe it will be C that's a solution that you wouldn't be thinking about if both were thinking a or B And, uh, yeah, and about a year ago, just over a year ago, uh, Exerio uh, started. Right. So that's as far as my background is concerned and what took me here. So Dubai has been my home for 13 years, almost. Glad to call it my home. It's a great place, and especially for entrepreneurship. Uh, Almost on a daily basis, there are news hitting the screens of support initiatives, all sorts of ways that Dubai is put it in place in order to attract, retain, and uh, promote the development of this fantastic place into yeah. you know a new uh, forward-looking place,
1: no, as it always sure. has been. Yeah, no, I 100% agree, and we, we'll get into that a little bit more in, in a second. We'll just let David do his introduction, because i definitely like you to talk through some of these um, things that you've leveraged on the ground here as well. But um, David, uh, you, tell, tell us a little bit sure. about your journey so far.
2: Yeah, so my, my background is uh, I studied bachelor's and master's in computer science, and I was in technology, and I started my career in technology. But this was a long time ago when being in technology wasn't a cool thing to do, and it didn't mm-hmm. pay well. So I went into business and management because that's what, that's what pay money. Um, so I did a long career in consulting, mostly in finance, which I, which I really like. And then several years later, this thing called fintech started, uh, so I decided to put one and one together, the professional experience I had had in the finance world and, and my passion, which is uh, science and technology. So I started getting involved in, in fintech and I've been doing fintech and startups for a few years until yeah, the culmination, which is now Exidio. I mean, I say all these things because with hindsight, it's very, it's very easy to, to draw a line and say, this is how it works. The truth is, in every step of the way, I had no idea what I was doing. I and mean, every time we just do whatever, whatever um, we think is the best next step. But here we yep. are, currently very happy with our new venture.
1: Excellent, excellent. And how long have you actually been on the ground here in, in the UAE?
2: In Dubai, I think seven years. Seven years. I'm also enjoying the, the benefits of the new world. I'm becoming a bit of a digital nomad. So I do tend to travel as much as I can. Yep. Um, but yes, still Dubai is, is my home.
1: His home, yeah, no, that, and it is as 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 Piero sort of mentioned there, it is a place that lends itself to um, to the entrepreneur to, to to offering the opportunity to start something, um, but you both obviously came from backgrounds where you were working for other people working for organizations um, and then came back together in in the UAE how how, can you just tell me a little bit about the process of of going from working for somebody to deciding you know what let's do something ourselves how how did that go David you've kind of already alluded to it It as just like well we're just going to do something but usually there's there's something a little bit more behind it in terms of okay um, what what was the catalyst for you to go from employee to entrepreneur as it were
2: but for me, it was just uh, seeing other people do it. When, right. as I mentioned, fintech started, some friends uh, told me "Well, we're doing this as a startup. You want to invest some pocket money in this. So I started getting involved as an investor, as an advisor. And then I kept thinking, well, that looks, that looks quite cool. Um, so the more I got involved with the startup world, the more I fell in love with, with the idea of, of creating value um, mm. that way and then once i got into it i also love the lifestyle so now i don't see myself doing anything else but it was just it was just like that the tiptoeing into into it and, and realizing that this is this is an amazing way to live
1: right okay and in in terms of time scales how how long was it from thinking this is cool to dipping your toe in to making that jump what was the kind of the, the lead time on that
2: i guess at least 3 years before uh, since I my, my told you my friends started doing this until I, until, I, uh, until I jumped. To be honest, even after going to, to uh, startups, I came back to corporate for another year. Uh, okay. So I've been, I've been coming back on four, but I think this is it now. Hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully we, can, we can work in exterior for the next 10 years, and yeah. we don't need to make more changes.
1: Sure. And was that, uh, just before we get into Piero's story, with the the jumping backwards and forwards, was that from a a security perspective, from a financial perspective? Because some people say, you know what, I'm done. And some people say, I've got to flip backwards and forwards.
2: No, in this particular case was that somebody that I had worked with in the past um, asked me to join um, what he was doing. And he's somebody that I really liked working with. And I thought it was a very uh, interesting opportunity. Of course, money helps. But yeah, I, I live very frugally so cool. <laughs> yeah I guess
1: that's always a reason sure yeah that's always helpful as an entrepreneur at the beginning yeah. definitely though <laughs> uh piero f- f- from your side of things
0: well it, it's very similar i mean when david and i started um kind of doing projects together a lot of that was looking into ideas of other people thinking of how we could help I mean, apart from some pocket money so you start thinking and sorry not just the people uh we um worked with together but also a number of friends that have uh, that had done that so you start seeing people doing it and uh, at the same time you're very you know the memories of hours and hours and hours of red tape and bureaucracy that characterizes the you know corporate life you think okay i spent nine hours doing this is there any actually impact uh how much paperwork how much you know there's so much time that goes wasted and and you see people around you, some, some as clients, some as friends, that uh, are doing it. And again, the lifestyle side of it, as David mentioned, you know, you work, when you work, you're working uh, and you're, you can see kind of the direct impact of what it is that you're doing. You're not kind of lost in this um, big corporate mammoth where, you know, you're just a small little piece uh, in a massive mechanism. Um, and I think the lead time, well, I think for me, the catalyst really was David, because the original idea of Exilio is his. Um, and so he started talking to me, I would say, probably about one or two months before it started. Uh, and I found the idea very exciting. Now, I have grown to believe that it's not necessarily the idea that makes a successful startup. Uh, I mean, the idea is a good thing to have, but ideas... Uh, some somewhat commodities. It's not that hard to come up with an idea. It's really the execution and whether you put the right people in, you know, together. And um, so the idea looked cool. Uh, at the moment, at the time, I, I really could see the complementarities between the two of us. Uh, and, yeah, that kind of made it happen. Yeah. That's Obviously, fantastic. David did. The desire also, David, not to do this by himself.
1: Sure. Yeah. Oh, indeed. And I think that just to, to really um, come back to that point, I think it's a really important one for everybody listening is that the ideas and something I firmly believe in. I have had to say to a few of my friends as well is that, you know what, the ideas are, are easy. People can come up with 20 ideas a day for what seems like a good business idea. Um, but if you don't take action on that and you don't implement it, then it just remains as an idea. And, and you can't turn, the ideas don't just turn into businesses by, by themselves. <laughs> they require a lot of work. And this, this, this word that you've mentioned there a couple of times both of you lifestyle. When you A lot of people thinking about going into this side of things and starting their own business. It's because they see the the red tape, the the bureaucracy, the problems of working in the corporate world, and think I can do that better. Um, And then they want to start doing their own business because they want to work less in some cases, or work more effectively to give them more time, earn more money, and and live a certain lifestyle. From your experience of setting up Xeria, and we're going to talk about what it is. Has that been the case in terms of saying, right? I'm jumping ship. I'm going to set up my own business. I'm going to work less. I'm going to earn more money. I'm going to be able to travel. I'm going to be able to do this from the beach. Has that been a reality for you, or has it been slightly different? The
0: the work less, I think, is 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 not the case. Mm Is the work smarter? Uh, Smart. It's a smarter way of working. I mean, uh, what I keep telling my friends is that, you know, I don't have days off. There's no weekend. Mm -hmm. Having said that. Uh, 11 o'clock, I want to go to the mall for two hours because I feel like it, you know, I just go. uh, And I catch up with whatever I have to do in the evening or on Fridays or on Saturdays or whatever that may be. Plus we have a team that is all over the place, which means weekends, you know, Friday here, not weekend anywhere else and so forth. So it's not like you work less, but it's the flexibility of it. Uh, It's all result driven at Exilio, and I would suspect in most startups. So as long as you get the job done, what you've got to be doing, uh, it doesn't really matter whether you do it at five AM or five PM or in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so yeah. That. No, no. Yeah, no, no. It's a very good point. It is. It's something that I think perhaps um, COVID has also helped a lot of businesses understand. Those that do employ multiple people is that you don't necessarily have to be in an office. Signing in at eight AM and signing out at six PM to be effective, because I I know from my time in corporate, I could easily be in the office from eight AM till six PM and do nothing, um, but the fact that I was there w- would class- classify as I was working. Um, so yeah, I think that a lot of businesses have started to see that actually, if we empower people to 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 do their own thing, they can work very effectively from from anywhere and. Again, with the global nature of, of business now, it's it's five AM here, it's it's five PM somewhere else. It, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's a twenty four hour thing from, from that side of things. So it's it's quite an interesting point. But working smarter, I know it's a cliche, but it's so true, especially when you start your own business, is that you don't have to be anywhere at any specific time. You start to manage that a little bit a little bit differently. Which is uh, and also
0: the relationship between working and money is different because when you're in a large organization. You may or may not care uh, a huge amount about what the company actually does or what the mm. ultimate objective of the company is. I mean, David and I are not working for a salary because we don't make us make any money. Mm. So you know, the, it's entirely the focus is entirely on what the company is, what the the, what the product is. Does it serve our users? How can it do that better? How can we get there faster? Um, you know, in a, in a in a better way. So mm. it's focused on what we want to deliver rather than the money at the end of the month because, as I said, at the moment there isn't any money at the end of the month. Sure,
1: yeah, which again I think is a very valid point for, for people to understand is that at the beginning of this journey, um, there often isn't anything left in the, in the account for for you as the owner to take out. It's all going back into the business. It's all about building that business. It's all about investing in that business. Uh, and, and sometimes that means um, – sacrifice. <laughs> there is, uh, you know, as much as you'd like to take out some, some money and pay yourself, sometimes it, it, it just isn't the, it isn't the way. Um, but on, on that note, I suppose it's probably a, a good time. Uh, perhaps David is the idea uh, man. Um, your journeys together have, uh, sorry, your, your individual journeys have led to exerio What is it? Tell us a little bit about what it is and what it does and how it's helping people.
2: Yeah, good. So Exidio is uh, is a tool to track one's wealth and investments. So this started because as, as expats, uh, us and all of our friends were having the, a similar issue, which is I have money here, a bank account there, an investment over there in euros, in dirhams, in dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much money I have. I have no idea how my investments are doing. This bank send me this report. These other banks sends me this report with different metrics. I don't know what this is. Uh, and asking to all of our friends who would have some uh, kind of wealth, 100, 200, 500,000, 1 million, all sorts, uh, say, well, how do you manage and track your wealth? 100% of them would say, I have a spreadsheet. Right. Um, so then what's the point in, in the 21st century to be doing this on a spreadsheet if everybody is having the same pain point? Uh, and, that's where, and that's where the idea came from. We, we did look at... Things that exist out there, and there are a few solutions out there, but they're mostly uh, domestic or the national. They have their work in one currency, um, and that's it. If you have uh, if you have wealth or an investment portfolio that includes several assets, several currencies, there was not anything good out there. So we decided to build it, uh, and that's it. That is the, the problem we're we're trying to solve.
1: Right, excellent, and is and that's a combination. I'm assuming then of both of your financial backgrounds and then your tech. In, in interest from that side of things. So is this something that you guys have built from the ground up technology-wise? Is It's a, a completely uh, proprietary t- t- to you guys?
2: Yes, I mean, we, we do use third parties when when it makes sense, but yes, we, we started building this from scratch. At the moment, we are 15 people in the company and I think 12 are in technology. Um, so the developers yeah. and, and technologies are first-class uh, citizens in the company and that is that is how it's going to stay
1: yeah which i think is very smart for the future as well because the technology is leading the way uh, when it comes to to that side of things uh, out of interest just because of my personal interest, uh, interest we we do some software development and so forth how long was the process from initial idea for what you needed to do to uh, version 1 minimal viable product to, to to get out there for testing
2: well the the mvp when we put it there and said users you can use it what it was i think it was 3 months but but let's be honest, when I look at the app we have now uh, versus the first product, I'm su- I'm not surprised that nobody was using it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. when we said, okay, go ahead and use it. No, you cannot use it. But, but uh, I think um, when did it become a thing that we were proud to tell people, yes, you can put now all, uh, all your money information there? I guess nine months uh, yeah. is when it became a, a real mm-hmm. thing.
1: That's still pretty... Um... Pretty quick, actually. I think from that side of things, in terms of getting it to that that stage, which is uh, is pretty impressive. Especially when you're solving a problem that um, is is pretty is unique to expats as well. It's something that I've I've encountered over my life of of traveling around and being an expat as well. Is that sometimes um, what's available to you because you're not in your home country is really limited. Um, It's really not. Great, and in many cases, it's really expensive, especially when it comes to things like insurances and, and things like that. That you, you are almost punished because you've decided to make this decision to go and explore the world a little bit and, yeah. and see what's going yeah. on.
2: Most financial institutions, especially since uh, the the global financial crisis, are not very interested in the expat, uh, in the expat segment because it comes mm-hmm. with a lot of compliance requirements, a lot of costs. It's it's difficult to keep track of them. They move, they change. Um, so it's a um, segment of the population that is not really catered for. So that's why we decided to build it. And don't worry about the cost because it's completely free as well.
1: Right. Okay. So it's completely free to the end end user. So this this leads out nicely into the um, into sort of the next. Um, the next question if you like because for a business to be a business and to be successful you have to generate revenue um are, are you comfortable talking about how xeria will do this in in the future how you're going to to, to, to make it uh, sort of a revenue generation if that's the idea or or are you guys just the ultimate philanthropists that are are doing this to help everybody
0: and <laughs> there are Uh, There are multiple ways to monetize a product like this. It is not our intention to uh, monetize it anytime soon. The first and foremost objective is to build something that people really want to use on a very regular basis. So until we have a a number of thousands of power users that log in uh, two, three, four, five times a week, and therefore we can see that what we have is truly beneficial, uh, at that moment in time, we believe that uh, the best way to monetize this uh, will manifest itself. There are alternative ways, complementary ways. We still don't know which one we go for. Um, at the moment, it's entirely the attention is entirely on the product and whether, to which extent, it serves its purpose and uh, how it can do it better tomorrow than it did it yesterday. Right. Um, of course, at some point, we will monetize. Uh, but it's not something that's going to happen next week, next month, or this year, at least. Right.
2: And uh, the current, the current uh, offering is free. And our promise is that for all the first users, for all the current users, it will remain free.
1: Right. And so okay. if
2: anybody is, uh, is thinking about uh, using it and has a concern about, well, these guys will, will, uh, will start charging me next year, that won't be the case.
1: Right, yeah. So all the initial users get get, it, get access as, uh, as as testers, I guess, from, from that side of things, as, as loyal first first customers. Um, how are you gauging, or sorry, how are you collecting the feedback from these people to make it better tomorrow than it is today? Is there a process in place for that in, in particular?
0: Um, yes, I mean, I, we do sit down with, uh, uh, well, when possible, we sit down with users. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them have had an experience with it already, and we just take notes of uh, uh, you know, whatever, things didn't quite work or we're not quite clear. It's very hard at times for us to to fully appreciate the experience that someone that lands on the app for the first time uh, goes through. Because obviously for us, everything is crystal clear because we spent a year, uh, day in and day out, yeah. looking <laughs> into it. Um, so when possible, we sit down if the user is uh, already a user we we hear the feedback, if they're not, uh, it's interesting to sit you know, to sit next to them and, and see what they do and how they go through it by like the first time they register. Uh, we only, reach out not to- It's
2: interested, it's incredibly frustrating. You wanna kill the yes. user and say, how can you not get this?
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's so easy. I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we reach out to people by email uh, with the, uh, not a lot of replies, but I I don't blame them. I don't reply to Mm these kind of emails either. Uh, And then we'll, you know, we try to look at the behavior based on analytics, obviously all anonymous, but to see what, um, you know, what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. We do spend a lot of time thinking of ourselves as users. So when we don't have an answer, we think, okay, so how do I want it? Uh, Of course, you always need to check and get feedback. because without feedback you're going nowhere
1: yeah yeah and and to your point there david it's it's always interesting again personal experience going through this is thinking how in my mind this is so simple and straightforward and yet somebody else is the ability to to really get confused and then not understand what to do next and and doesn't get that, that that button is what you press even though it says press this button now um it is it is extremely frustrating but i think that's also a big part of um of being a business owner especially in the tech space is that our own understanding of what's going on is is not really the the focus anymore we have to kind of get ourselves out of our own head and and literally come at it come from a completely uh blank slate because as as you're experiencing people are doing that and um whilst it makes sense to us to other people it just looks like completely foreign and weird and um uh, you know, confusing and uh, even though in our mind when we're looking at it, you're thinking this this can't be that confusing, surely. Um, but it is and uh, and that, that frustration, which is why I asked the question about the feedback loop, because I think it's great. I think it's a great company um, approach to want to be better tomorrow than you are today. Same for personal uh, as well, uh, but trying to get that feedback, especially in um, a world of um, emails coming out and too much information and asking people to give back to you, even though it's for their own benefit, is, is sometimes really difficult to get that kind of, to get an answer out of them.
0: Yeah, and on that point, I think both David and I really agree that we don't want to pester our users.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: We don't want to, you know, the last thing you want, at least the last thing we want, is I sign up for something because, I'm, you know, I don't know, I've got to take a look. And then from that moment on, I get emails and emails and emails and emails. Like, we don't do that. Mm. Uh, we don't do that because, you know, if you're interested, uh, great. I will send you, we will send you an email when you register. We'll send you an email a couple of months later, but we're not going to start pestering you because we don't want to be yeah. um So, you know, again, it remains to be seen how valuable it is to, in my opinion, at least to, to spam uh, anyone that has given you their email address, but uh, we don't think it is. No. Yeah, everybody,
2: everybody seems to be offering calls these days. Yes. Whatever, whatever one registers to, there's always, so we jump on a call, say, no, I don't want to have a call. That's that's one hour of my time. Why would I want to have a call? Mm, yep. but, but that seems to be the modus operandi of, uh, of many companies at the moment.
1: It, it is, and unfortunately has been, especially here in the last 15 years I've been here in the UAE, the idea of... Um, us meeting at a, uh, a, a networking thing, for example, or an event, and we we talk about it and we exchange business cards. And the next thing, I'm being bombarded by your company by spam effectively. Um, and at no point did I expressly give permission to be added to your database and, and spammed to death. But it is unfortunately very, very common here, which is why I think it's even more important that we get our technology offerings correct so that people can can close the loop themselves without us having to actually um, pester them, is it they're, they're thinking, you know what, I would like to give this feedback to this organisation because I really do like this uh, app and this service. I just wonder if they could do X, or I just wonder if Y could happen. And that's actually a far more valuable feedback loop anyway, because then you've got it coming from people who are genuinely interested, who are using it. And uh, and then are perhaps seeing something that, um, to, to your point, Piero, when you're in it, we're in it and we're seeing it all the time. But then a fresh pair of eyes comes and uses it. And for 90% of it, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That works as well. And then they just say, but could this happen? And it's uh, I've gone through this process myself and it's like somebody just shines a light and you think, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. And, and it's easily done. It's something that can be easily fixed and, and, and built into the, the offering, and, uh, and it just makes a big difference. And
2: We, we wish we got more feedback, so I, we really, and we really mean it. Um, mm. Whenever we... The, the two priorities in our company are, are number one, our security, but number mm. two is uh, user feedback. So whenever a user communicates with an issue, everything else uh, stops, and, and that is the priority. It's just so valuable to have uh, that input.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And I guess um, for you guys, I I suppose... I am come from a digital marketing background as well. So it's also how you incentivize people to give you that feedback without becoming that company that's spamming people with offers all the time to try and get that kind of thing. But I think this is also a valid point that at the end of the day, we live in a transactional world. And if we want something from our customers, then we have to give them something in exchange. Um, and then unfortunately, this is again just my personal opinion, even providing them with an awesome app and service is not enough to get them to give the feedback that we want them to give. There, there has to be something um, even extra on top of that, especially when it's constructive feedback, because I, I, I'm sure you've probably experienced this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that people are always willing to give you negative feedback, um, but they're not so keen to give you positive feedback um, in terms of how, you can, uh, how you're doing something well, and maybe there's a way to build on that. I suppose that's actually a question. Has that been the case? Do you do 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 you experience that yourself, or has that not been the case for you guys?
0: Um, we've got all. I mean, we've got all kind of feedback. Some, you know, some more constructive than other. Um, I think the starting point, anyway, is that the biggest critics of these apps of this app are ourselves. Actually, me. I'm mm-hmm. the one that is never, never, never happy. I mean, it's. I, I, I've got to give it to David. Whenever there's a a big milestone that we reach in terms of development or whatnot it takes a moment to stop and and kind of pat everybody on the back for the following like three to five minutes Uh, for me it's not good enough ever Uh, Mm -hmm. which you know is i suppose can be frustrating for the people around me but um it's just you know development is gonna is endless right so Mm -hmm. you're never gonna say okay this is it this is the app now let's move on to something else you keep on tweaking changing adding modifying removing and um, so, yeah, we have all sorts of feedbacks, um, obviously from close friends and, and, and people that, you know, kindly sit down with us. Uh, the feedback is very constructive, but again, that's the easiest one to get because they're friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we may not necessarily be the most valuable because they may be, they're trying to be delicate. So, you know, I don't want to yeah. offend you. Mm -hmm. Well, we say in every possible language, be brutal. If you think this is rubbish, yes, great. It's rubbish. Tell me why. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, we'll put all our best efforts to make it less rubbish tomorrow and ideally great next week from your point of view. Um, So brutality is necessary in feedback sessions. Otherwise, it's pointless.
1: Yeah, 100% agreed. Uh, I think that that there's also a very good point that you've made in there for a lot of uh, potential entrepreneurs is that it is easiest to get feedback from friends and family, but it's not always the best feedback to get because there are um, people that want to not hurt your feelings and and make you feel good about it and say, yeah, this is great. This is fantastic. It's the best thing ever, but actually that's not helpful when it isn't. Um, And so sometimes the feedback from complete strangers is actually the most valuable feedback because those are your customers and they're not going to hold back with um any worries of hurting your feelings uh, which in the business world exactly right you need that it's 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 not about your ego and uh, and, and feeling good about it because if it is rubbish you need to know it's rubbish faster <laughs> so that you can not make it rubbish anymore or, exactly right or decide that you know what this was a good idea but in implementation something's not happened correctly, because the feedback that we're getting is it's not fixing the problem. And that's also very important is that the only way you can put something into the the market and, and be successful is you've got to fix something that's an issue. You've got to fix somebody's problem of what is that problem. And if you're not doing that, then you, you're not really, you're not in a business. That, that's the other point that I, I sort of try to make to people is that sometimes that these things are good ideas, but then even in implementation, they're not a business, they're a hobby. Uh, because you've got to be able to get to that point where, from a business definition, that your product is is solving a problem and that people are willing to pay you, somehow somebody along the the, the line is 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 willing to pay you for that that problem-solving um, service. Um, and so this is, a, again, I harp on about this a lot in, in talking with, with with guys like yourselves, because you're doing it, you're turning this into something that's going to be a, um, again, from what I understand, this is going to be your business moving forward for the next 10, 15 years, however long you want to be in it. And therefore, it's got to sustain you as well as, as, a, as an organization, as your employees, and also as as yourselves, you know, at the end of the day, whilst there might not be um, so much in in the bank account to take out for yourselves right now, at some point there needs to be because otherwise, again, we're not in business. We're we're providing a uh, a philanthropic service, perhaps. <laughs> But from Exerio's perspective, you you've come and a long way. You've built this thing. What is the um, actually? Before we get into this for the future, let's go back a couple of steps. Piero, you mentioned something about here in the UAE the the services and the environment that is geared towards um, helping people like yourselves build a business. Did you actually take advantage of any of those sort of programs and so forth that were were on offer?
0: Uh, we haven't yet, because uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're not yet structured uh, as a corporate. Right. Uh, the focus has been since day one—you know—all time and money goes into the development of the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, lean the process of setting up a company and uh, and everything that goes with it uh, may be in whatever jurisdiction, it's still a distraction from. Uh, from the actual service that you want to provide, the I mean, destruction in terms of time and in terms of money. Um, it's something that we will do very soon. Of course, the moment in which we're going to fundraise, uh, therefore take external investors, there's, there's no other way. Or uh, whenever employees have um, stock options, stocks that vest. And so whenever it's not just the two of us, which is going to be very soon. Uh, there's no way around it. And um, I so I personally haven't explored the details of all the programs that I read about, uh, but I'm very pleased to see that, uh, especially since COVID, there's been, even before, but especially since COVID, there's been an acceleration of initiatives willing to support the development of uh, Dubai and the EU in general as an ideal hub, not just for fintech, but for innovation. Yeah.
2: But hold on, we, we did get... Uh, some credits from Amazon Web Services. So let's say thank yeah, you we right. did,
0: we did, we did, we did. That's
1: true, that's true. That's we, true. That's true of we do need more.
2: We do need more. We could we spend a lot on technology, but
1: I bet we did, yeah,
2: we did get a bit of help there.
1: <laughs> well, that's always good, and this actually just uh, AWS is one of those things where um, if something when you come to your price point you know what you're offering is free at the moment when it comes to pricing with aws that's probably one of the most complicated pricing structure matrices i've ever come across in terms of trying to figure out exactly how much it's going to cost you to do what you want to do because of how they structure their pricing with locations and servers and everything it's it's a a minefield and again it's uh, i don't know is that Something that you guys found, or they they weren't particularly helpful with us, but they've obviously been pretty pretty good for you guys in terms of helping with that the technology background
2: well they were they were helpful in in giving us the credits and and the technology works very well but the truth is that a w s works in a very organic way um so it's not the most user friendly platform, mm. and as you say for cost it's really difficult. I spent a few hours yesterday trying to see. How we can save some money? We're still in the, in the free tier and with the credits, but yeah, in a few months, uh, for the level of complexity that we've built already, this is going to get really, really expensive. And yes, it's not it's not the most uh, user friendly um, platform ever. Yeah, but it does work very well.
1: That, yeah, that, that's, I guess that's the, uh, if it does work very well, it doesn't have to be the most user-friendly is the lesson, I guess they're teaching us from that side of things. But um, so then um, moving forwards for you guys, you, you're obviously building your, your 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 user base at the moment, um, you're getting people utilizing it, you're offering this as a free service for people. So there's no reason why every, everybody should be using it effectively and uh, to, to get on it to help manage their wealth. What, what's the vision and the direction for Exerio over the next couple of years? What, what do you guys actually want to, to achieve and, and, and get to in terms of the, the business progress and milestones? What do the next couple of years hold for you guys? Eddie, you take it or I do?
2: You do.
0: Okay. Um, well, I believe the key thing that we focus on today, tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year, will be, again, through iteration to keep improving. Uh, again, being the biggest critic here, I, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with it yet. Um, so there's a continuous amount of an increasing number of new features and fixes that need to be applied to existing ones and, and tweaks on the user experience. And, uh, um, you know, it's continuous development. And that's what I think is going to be the key focus for the future, at least the next 18 months. That is the necessary journey to make sure that, you know, we have something that people truly want Uh, and people in the thousands, uh, five, 10, 20, 30,000. Once again, I don't know whether, you know, I'm focusing too much on the target rather than the journey, but um, the focus is that uh, until we get to that point, The next stage which is going to be monetization is it's not really going to be a priority Uh, we want people to find this app useful we want to solve an issue a pain point and we want an increasing number of people to realize that through our app they can do that Uh, and it's not just a matter of them realizing is us being able to deliver on that promise which means everything works as it should uh and that everything is truly what you want not Uh, not things that are, you know, not necessary or just confusing. Yeah,
2: there is a a reason why we hesitated and and, and nobody jumped uh, to provide an answer to this. Uh, We did make a strategic choice at the beginning that we've renewed recently to say we are not going to spend time thinking of monetizing. It's not that we want, but at this point in time, we are not going to spend time doing that. And we are not going to spend time fundraising. Those things do take a lot of time. We're going to make a commitment that for the first 18 to 24 months, the only focus is let's build an amazing application that people love to use. It has to work amazingly and it has to be a pleasure to use. Once we get there, we'll we'll worry about the next step. The long-term vision is that we want to help people have a control of their finances. And the very long-term vision is that we want to help people with with their freedom, starting with financial freedom. And in order to get to financial freedom, you need to save, you need to invest, and hopefully retire early, uh, and do what you want to do with your life. That is, that is our mission. How do we get there? Well, first, we build an app, an app that helps people do that. Step two, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, and then that's that's also, I think, a valid point for, for anyone on this journey is that you don't have to know everything. I think a lot of people focus on you have to build your business plan, you have to have everything mapped out, you have to have everything planned down to the T. Again, I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but sometimes, and not sometimes, every time, those plans change. They always change in terms of what you have to adapt to and, and move towards. And I think that it's a very valid point that sometimes you don't have to know everything when it comes or maybe, to this.
2: or maybe in one year we can have another podcast talking about we should how we should have had a plan <laughs> it was a terrible <laughs> idea and a, and a terrible <laughs> strategic choice
1: yeah and time will tell Time will tell. Yeah. But I think, like I say, all joking aside, that you you obviously haven't got to the point that you're at now. You have a plan. There is a plan in place. There is an execution plan. It's being executed. It's going along. But I think it's also a very, very, very important that there's There's sometimes it's OK not to know what next is because you, you're very involved with what's going on now. Uh, I think also just to come back to something that Pierre said, there is a lot of value in um in in enjoying the journey. But I think that you also have to have the end goals in mind, which I think comes back to the whole, the first thing that you guys actually said is that um, the ability when you start a business, if it's not going to be just yourself, is to find somebody that um, has complementary skills to you, but also has the bits that you are, missing so that when you come together, you, you form this cohesive thing so that you can actually have these different forms of opinions. You've got somebody focusing on the areas that you don't like to focus on and the other person is focusing on the areas that you you, you don't want to do or can't do. And, and having those those kind of people in, in place is really essential because I think a lot of people go into business with people that are exactly the same as them. And then to your point, Pierre, you end up having the same conversation you have the same ideas you think it's the best thing but you never get that other viewpoint coming in saying but what about x Uh, and i think that that's that's something again from from what i'm getting correct me if i'm wrong that's you guys have that dynamic in terms of being. yeah yeah we disagree
0: multiple times a day (laughs) yeah okay and we're not shy about disagreeing
1: i'm always wrong
0: (laughs) but you always get in your way
2: <laughs> also, the, the wrong yeah. way, but I get my way.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you, no.
2: you
0: continue you insist on your point too long, and then I was like, "Hey, fine,
1: yeah, <laughs> I'll just do it." Yeah, but it, it's it's really important, I think, that the, the ability to disagree daily, multiple times, and then still be able to move forward to what needs to be done is actually a really, really valuable and um important part of of perhaps picking a business partner. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, and, and to, to make it more concrete, I think where we tend to disagree uh, is when somebody gets really creative and say, I want to do that, and I want to add this feature, and, and this other feature, and I want the app to do B, C, and D, and um, that's, that tends to be a killer in early stage startups because resources are limited. Mm. So we always need to go back and say, okay, fine, that's very interesting, but we need to focus on the two or three priorities, that's it. Uh, and that's where most of debates end. So, yes, I agree with you. Yes, that's very interesting. But no, we're not going to do it now. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. somewhat uh, dragged. Into this. <laughs> um, it's true. You need to have a partner that you are able to disagree with and to go a little deeper in that, um, knowing that person, uh, having known that person for a long time and Tr- trusting that person, mm-hmm. know, and having pretty much everything laid on the table in a transparent manner is crucial. Um, we've been in business together for a year. We've known each other for 15 years. Um, do I agree with David? Most of the times, no. Um, do I, you know, do I trust him? 100. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, there's the two, two kinds of people, right? Those that trust someone else to start with. And all you can do is to lose their trust and all the others that, you know, you need to build the trust over time. Um, you know, we don't have to ask ourselves that question. I mean, uh, because we ever met six months ago or a year ago or two years yeah. ago. Um, so that, that is crucial when you're working with someone. Yeah. And no, when you're putting so much into it together.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure, definitely. David, were you going to say something then? I just thought you were going to say something.
2: No, no, I'm just a little no. offended that Pierre always disagrees with me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But as you said that's a valuable part of this business <laughs> for a proposition that you guys have got which is which is fantastic from that perspective um, just something that um, I'd like to focus on for, for you guys as individuals now in, in this business is that making the decision you you've, you've got that trust you made the decision to go into this. Um, it's a lot of work there's a lot of things that go on. Um, can you both in, in turn just tell me a little bit about how you keep yourselves as as entrepreneurs as individuals, Focused in on what you're doing, so more more from the self-development perspective, how you keep yourselves um, motivated, how you keep yourselves involved, how you keep learning. If you're doing that, Um, I guess the the question is, what what is it as individuals that you do to keep yourselves um, really focused and dialed in on what you're doing? Whoever wants Uh, to go first. (laughs) Well, I listen daily to David's wisdom
0: quotes which uh, comes from fortune cookies in my opinion but allegedly they come from very reputable sources because i don't know what how it does it because it, you know it, we're on a different time zones right now and then For me, it's late or for me, it's very early. And for him, it's like middle of the night, I send a message, he replies. Uh, So he he works 24 seven. And then on top of that, he's able to listen to a thousand podcasts, uh, read 15 books. And and I don't know how he does that. But um, I think, yeah, I certainly look up to David when it comes to to inspiration and uh, and to keep the focus. he was, i don't know whether he looks up. He looks to me for that, but he certainly has uh, finds time to to find external sources as well. But I won't speak for himself. I won't speak for him.
2: Yeah, I do. I do read and I do listen to a lot of crap on the internet. Um, we live in this in this era where information is free, and yes, the internet, I think, is one of the biggest gifts of technology to humanity. It's just amazing how much. The, how much wealth of information and knowledge and wisdom uh, you can have. And years ago, you, you would need to find the smartest person in, in your village to learn something from. But now you can go straight to the best expert in the world. And uh, now with post podcasts and videos, and I also do Coursera online courses. I, I do a lot of that. I try to uh, stay healthy also because that's uh, also the new trend. Uh, diet, exercise, sleep. Even though as Piero said, I might not always get it. So I do, I do uh, a, lo- a lot, of that. Uh, probably sometimes a bit too much. I do, I do read a lot of startup crap, and that's where I get my fortune cookies from. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, then it's good that Piero keeps me keeps me real and says so, okay, fine. That's uh, all your uh, Silicon Valley fantasy and crypto anarchism is fine, but but we need this thing to work.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Actually, so just on that, it's very interesting. You're obviously absorbing a lot of information, and uh, the 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 internet, I believe, is is a blessing and a curse because now that you have access to all this information, the the job that we have to find is that well, what is the correct information uh, when it comes to this so just to, to end this on is there a specific you said you know you, you read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts is there a specific one that you would say to someone that was looking at getting into this side of things the entrepreneurial side of things that you would recommend to listen to to read as you know what it this is the one that you would always go back to was almost your your trusted resource if everything else went away this would be the one thing that you would want to keep
2: yeah, I find that in most most sources uh, go through a period where first they publish something really good uh, and then uh, that is great. and then out of that fame, uh, they publish uh, a lot of useless stuff. It mm-hmm. happens with great authors, it happens with uh, great podcasts. like every, everybody spends ten years developing an idea, publishes it, and, and then they live out of that fame. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to to mention one source that is always good. Having said that for tech startups, I think the, one of the best summaries, I'm, a, I'm always following Y Combinator, which is the most famous startup accelerator in the world, and they publish a lot of stuff and we're follow, we, we follow pretty much the same approach. And in mm-hmm. terms of resources, there's a, there's a website called a Startup Playbook written by Sam Alman, Sam Alman, uh, where they summarize a lot of these, a lot of these learnings and a lot of these lessons that they share with their startups. So I think for anybody wanting to do a tech startup, that's that's for me uh, the golden awesome. book.
1: Fantastic! No, that's a really really useful recommendation, um, and uh, we'll, we'll make a note of that as well for anyone that's listening in, so they can go and find it online. Like I say, the the, the problem with the online space is just so much stuff. Is that where where do I start? Uh, Piero, is there anything in particular? And, and, oh, and the, oh, and the problem
2: is, advice is contextual. But mm. Also, in you know, all these podcasts, people uh, a lot of times they. And the podcast say, they do have any piece of advice. And the problem is, is advice is always so contextual. And mm-hmm. I can give you the same piece of advice to two different people. Uh, and it could be very useful for one and rubbish for the other one and vice versa. Um, so it's really hard to find to find just this is the, the three wisdom pills that you need in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, for tech startups, for early stage tech startups, um, the startup playbook. Is a good source. Yeah.
1: No, that's a great one, like I say. And you're absolutely right. It is contextual. What I think is is quite important is that if everybody is is sort of sharing their own experience of how they've taken other people's wisdom and implemented it, then people can also then contextualize it for themselves because that's all they can do. They can take it and apply it to their specific situation because everybody's is different. Um, so it, it's, it's a very good point. But if there's learning points out of these things that can be uh, sort of generalized, if you like, then I think that can be quite valuable for people because there's obviously a base level um, yeah. and then you take it and and implement it into your, own, uh, into your own scenario. But Pierre, was there anything that you had in particular that you would say, you know what, definitely read this, definitely do that. definitely talk to this person. any specific thing that you would say uh, or recommend to oh, my my
0: at? my virtual cookie, cookie dealer on this call. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speak so, to David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can reach out all these contact details on our website. And while you're at it, why don't you
2: register?
1: Yeah, <laughs> good idea, good idea, good advice, and a great way to end this uh, particular episode. That's good marketing, Pierre. That's good marketing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very, thank you very much, guys, for taking the time to to be on this. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And to everybody listening in, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, if there's anyone else that you would like us to have a chat with, then please do drop us a line at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. Thanks very much for tuning on on this one, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks very much. Bye for now.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo.
2: We'll catch you next time.